0: Alrighty, everybody we are back here with beth bigler who is a pet loss grief counselor and if you've listened to part one you know that she is the go-to gal for all of this and we are gonna dive into my story because a lot of the stuff that she talks about can apply to me currently as i've lost two of my two two beloved pets Um, in the last year. And uh, I've been really struggling. So finding Beth was really refreshing for me and helping me learn to process. And so we're going to dive into my story and she's going to chew on it and help me out. Beth, thank you and welcome back.
1: You are so welcome. It's my pleasure to be here
0: and to um, get at your guilt. We're going to talk about my guilt around the loss of Mufi and Jack. But first, I think we have to tell the story because a lot of people know some they know a little bit about this a little bit about that but i want to dive in because the story itself is really unique in the fact that i lost both of them very close together the way that i lost them was very opposite so i think there's so many things that people can take away that anyone everyone can relate to at least aspects of the story um and also it would be helpful for me just to tell my story i think it's time for me to share what happened and why i hate myself <laughs> so we will dive right in Um, I left to hike the, most people know that I am a long distance backpacker and that is something I have done for the last three years, almost every summer. So in April of, or February of 2021, I left to hike the Arizona trail. Before that I had adopted Mufi in 2018. He was a senior cat, blind in one eye, covered in scratches and scars. I adopted him because I wanted a cat that nobody wanted, who was ugly, horrible, had black teeth. He was just, disgusting and I wanted him so I adopted him and he and I he is the most affectionate cat I'd ever met he crawled on me loved me where he ran to the door with my dog when I got home so I had Mufi in 2018 until 2021 and then we'll go back even further to when I was 20 years old I believe I adopted this little annoying Shih Tzu Pomeranian and I named him Jack, and he became my everything. We moved across the country together. He lived with me. He was there for me. We went all across the country. He He's probably flown in more airplanes than most people. He has been there through the good, the bad, the ugly, me growing up, turning 21. Getting through all of my 20s, which are a diabolical time for most humans. And so for me, my best description of them is they are my soulmates. They were there with me through everything. 2020, we became absolutely the three musketeers. No one could separate us. And then in 2021, I left to hike the Arizona Trail. And about a month in, I got a call. My brother was watching my cat. And he had had a sinus infection before I had left, was treated. Everything was fine come to find out that he actually had a sinus tumor that the vet had been kind of you know they had been kind of concerned that this might be a possibility when they initially rescued him before I adopted him but I did not know any of this so we find out that he probably has sinus like a sinus face tumor cancer we treat him with steroids everything gets better I come home from my trip and his wound he's starting to develop a wound on his nose so I've had him for about four years at this point or 18, three years at this point, And I come home from my trip and he's getting a little sicker. We know that at this point he's going to die. And I sat him down and I said, Mr. Moof, you tell me when you're ready. At this point he's eating, drinking, acting totally normal. He has a small opening on his nose in between his eyes that is just a little pin pinprick opening that scabs up and weeps a little bit. So we know that the, the, the cancer is progressing. I go away for the weekend to hike because he is totally doing okay, and I go away for one night, and when I come home the next day, he is not eating. And I told him, I said, Mufi, if you go 24 hours without eating, I know that that is your time because before that, he was acting totally normal, purring, eating, drinking, being just a sweet little boy. Well, this morning, he did not eat, and through the entire day, he does not eat, which he is an eater because he was a rescue cat, so food is very motivating for him. He stops eating. I can tell. I can feel his energy. He's looking at me like, I think I'm ready. And at this point, his wound is fairly bigger. It's open now. There is some drainage that is discolored. His face is swollen. And I told him when he stops eating, that's it. So I call the vet and I tell them who they know that he's palliative. He's going to die. I call them and then they said, okay, you can bring him up like whenever we'll make time for it so we get in the car he was always very good in the car he's just laying on my lap which sue me if it's unsafe I, at this point I don't care that was my process and he's laying there and he's just purring 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 and I take him into the vet they put me in a room it starts pouring rain outside and I'm just laying in there with him and I'm holding him his little body. He's curled up and he's just purring 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 and the vet comes in who you know I have a good rapport with And they have a little syringe, and they tell me, you know, it's time. And so they find the vein on Mufi, and they inject him, and he literally purred until his very last heartbeat. And I was holding him. His little paw was in my hand. And, you know, I was there for the last moment of his life. And so I wrapped him in a little shroud, and I put him in the back seat, and I drove the whole way home listening to one song from one band that was very heartbreaking, cried the whole time, just was screaming like, I'm so sorry, like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm so sorry that you had to die this way. I'm so sorry that you couldn't be with me longer. And I take him home and I had already dug the hole because I anticipated that he was going to die. So that morning before we went, I dug the hole. And I wrote him a little note and I put a little rose quartz in there. I wrapped him in it. It was just, you know, thank you for loving me. Thank you for letting me love you. Thank you for bringing such joy to my life. I buried him. My mom came home from work early and she wanted to give him one final hug because she, you know, loved him as well. And she had helped take care of him on my journeys and travels. So we buried him. And that day I cried sobbed went out got drunk just did my did my due diligence came home crawled on his grave at midnight covered in mud was like leave me out here I just want to you know it was very very intense woke up the next day was totally fine I grieved really hard that first day and then for the next month I was totally fine I felt a little empty but I had to keep looking forward he was gone there was nothing I could do I gave him the best end of life I could And then a month later, after he died, I had another hiking trip planned, which was kind of in the in the balance, I didn't know if I was going to go because I didn't know when he was going to die. So then I had this revelation that he is gone, there's nothing I can do. So it is, you know, it's time to go and have a journey. So I went out and was hiking in Montana. And for the first seven days, I had no service, I had no connection to the outside world. And on day seven, I wake up and I'm feeling really emotional, and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm gonna process this today. Oh, like good. Like I'm gonna process Mufi. It's gonna come back, and I was down with that. And then through the process of the grief, I'm climbing up this big mountain in the in Glacier National Park. Just imagine this beautiful expanse, and I'm crying, I'm screaming Fleetwood Mac, my girl Stevie Nicks, and I'm just like, I love him. Like I'm sorry. Like, and I'm finally processing it. I'm like, okay, like this feels good. Like I'm releasing him like I'm releasing him and his his energy and in that moment I'm like my dog Jack who is 11 I'm like I think after this I'm not going to go on these adventures until he dies because I think I owe that to him I've done this for three years he's getting older I want to spend his his golden years with him I want to be with him and losing Mufi has made me realize that I want to go home and I want to be with my dog and as this is happening, I'm like, I just want to be a good mom for you. I just want to love you. And I'm putting it out there to the universe. And I have this intense chest pain. I'm like, oh, what is that? Like, that's just my anxiety. That's this whole thing. Something's happening. And I finally get to the top of the climb and I have service. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to call my mom and just tell her, like, I love her and give Jack a hug. And like, I'm thinking about him and I love him. And I get to the top and I call my mom and she's crying. And I said, oh, Christ. Like what happened? My mom had just lost her dog a few days before Mufi. So I thought she's, she's processing this. And I said, mom, like what's going on? She's like, it's Jack. And so this morning they had went out and did her chores at the barn with her horses. And when they'd come back, Jack had kind of had this episode where he fell over while my mom was showering. He fell over like in, he always likes to hang out in the back. He likes to hang out where everyone is. So he's in the bathroom. He falls over and she's like, oh shit, like what's going on? And so she, he just looks really bad. He's kind of labored breathing. She rushes him to the vet and they tell her he had probably like ate a spider or was bit by a bee or had some type of reaction. And they're like, we're, he's going to be fine. He's a totally healthy middle-aged dog for his breed. He's totally fine. And so... When I'm on the phone with her, when I was having the heart pain, when I was having this episode that I thought was me grieving and coming to terms with my life, he was having this episode, which I don't know what you believe. I don't know, but I had a heart pain when he was having a heart attack. And so they rush him to the vet. They said, he's fine. My mom's like, okay. And they say, We're going to just keep him overnight, just keep an eye on him. So go home, go about your business. We'll give you an update. So at this point, she's on her way home when I call her and she's crying. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. Like, it sounds like he's fine. Like, he's healthy. Like, they did all the work up. Everything's fine. And so I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have 10 miles or five miles, some some amount of miles to the next town where I can get service. And I said, I can't stay here. So I'm like, I'm going to run down this mountain and I'm going to run to town and I'll get an update. And so my mom's just like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, he's fine it's okay. So I'm just like, holy shit. So I run, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I'm like, I got to get there. And at this point, I'm like, he's a tough bastard. He's a tough bastard. He's fine. He would not do this. Like, he's a tough boy. And the whole time I'm thinking like, oh my God, 35 days ago, I just lost Mufi. Like this, there's no way the universe is going to do this. No fucking way. And sorry, if I get emotional, I get to the bottom and I'm like walking. I'm walking into town, and we're all laughing and joking. And I'm like, Jack's, a, you know, he's a bastard. He would never do this. He's too tough to kill. And like all of a sudden, my emergency GPS goes off, and it's like, don't answer your voicemail. Call me right now. It's my sister. Call me right now. And I'm like, uh, maybe this was from earlier. And so I flip open my phone, and my sister is call me, call me, call me. And so I immediately call my mom, and all I hear is like. I'm sorry and so I fall to the ground I'm like literally next to a golf course next to like people like mowing their lawn and like my whole group of with me they they know what happened and my mom's like he died like I don't I don't know they said he was fine and so I'm laying in the middle of this four-way stop sign on a gravel dirt road in the middle of Glacier National Park and all my friends have they just come and put their hands on my shoulder put their hands on me because they all have pets they all love their animals and I'm just laying there, and I'm like, what the f- what do you mean? Like, he was fine. And, you know, two hours earlier, I had come to terms that I was not going to do this without him. I was going to go home and be with him. And so the day is very blurry to me, but I end up re- listening to the voicemail because I was Jack's emergency contact that he had, again, had an episode, and he died. And they don't, to this day, no one knows what happened. Um, I think he had a heart attack from a new medication because he was newly diagnosed with Cushing's. But for years, I had known something was wrong, but the doctor swore he was fine. And so we started him on a new medication after pushing for this test that like, confirmed he had Cushing's. So I think the medication, just something happened to him where it killed him. And so I spent another two weeks on trail because what's the point of going home? He's dead. I'm going to stay out on this, on this adventure because I've always processed a lot of stuff alone in the woods hiking and crying and screaming and yelling and feeling the energy. And so two weeks later I'm crying eight hours a day. I'm like, this is this is not it. So I go home and, you know, my mom and I are just processing our grief. I see his little doggy urn with our little rainbow bridge card and his little paw print and all of that. And it just kind of I felt so fucking guilty because not only did I live my twenties with him and, you know, spent my twenties living a life that a 20 year old person would by going out on the weekends instead of taking him, you know, we, he had a great life. And I know that in my mind, but there's so many moments where I'm like, I should have walked him longer. I should have come home sooner. I should have made this decision and all of those things come into focus. And I, I can't stop. I can't stop crying. I can't stop crying every day. I'm crying every day. I'm mad. I'm angry. I meet my partner, Corey, and I'm in the throes of this intense self-loathing where I, I, he died alone in a cage at a vet with no one holding him, no one telling him that they loved him, no purring, no hand-holding. I was not there for him. And so my grieving for Mufi has been simple because I could anticipate and I could hold him and I got to tell him I loved him. And I gave him a life that most cats would fight for. But with Jack, I had Jack so much longer, so I had so much more time to make mistakes. And then he died while I was out chasing some dumb dream alone in a cage where nobody he knew was there to hold him. Nobody was there to tell him goodbye and that I love you. And so for me, that is where I hold everything is that my selfish actions led to him dying alone. And I'm surprised I got through that without legitimately breaking down. I'm sure I will after this, but now all I think about is all of the bad things that I did and I didn't do good enough. And just, I hate, I hate that. Like, and I, I feel like I'll never be able to forgive myself until I can go back and do it better.
1: Yeah, I hate that for you too. What sounds really hard, what you're describing. Can I ask you what it feels like for you to tell that story for everybody? What do you hear,
0: both the both story, Muf and Jack? I feel like if someone else told me the story, I would try to help them understand that it's not about the bad things. It's about the good things. And the fact that I wasn't there, I could never have foreseen that. I could never have, you know, I couldn't control that and if it was a trip for hiking or if it was to the grocery store it would have happened either way and i think it's just the suddenness of how he was a 55 year old man you know what i mean like in human sense he wasn't old he was healthy and you know i'm mad that he did it without me like i'm mad that he didn't he didn't let me be there you know
1: what you're doing in this guilt you are being mean to yourself And when we feel that we are guilty, guess what? We feel we should be punished because that's how guilt works. Guilt tells us I've done something bad and I deserve to be punished. And we are really adept at coming up with all kinds of creative ways to punish ourselves. And for a lot of us, it's negative self-talk, self-criticism piling on. Well, the walk should have been longer, you know, that kind of thing. And boy, is that exhausting. And it's mean. And then other other people punish themselves in other ways. And, And I bet if you took some time to reflect, like, how else have you been punishing yourself about this? There might even be more ways that you're doing it. And the thing is, is that you may be giving yourself that punishment, but it may not be a just punishment. It may not be right. Do you think it's a just punishment, what you've been doing to yourself the way you've been talking to yourself? do you think you deserve
0: it? I mean I do <laughs> because I feel like so many other people are better to their pets, like it, it, you know, I look at my mom and she was a legitimate angel. she didn't go anywhere while her dog was dying because she was there. She was up at three a m every day, and it's like i
1: you didn't know you didn't know your dog was dying, but I should you have known no he could idea. have. <laughs> Well, okay, so that's you grasping desperately for control. That's you from the hindsight position that we're in, wanting to control it. Because if you could have, should have, would have, if only I had, if you could just figure out what that magic answer is, if you'd just gone for more walks, it wouldn't be dead, right? When, when anybody dies and when our animals die, of course we feel responsible, right? Because their lives are our total responsibility. And so immediately we say, it's my fault. It doesn't even matter how it happens. I have, heard, I have heard stories I can't even believe I've heard about accidents and things, you know, just things happen. And we all, it doesn't even matter if it was the most random freak occurrence. You know, I was working with somebody this morning whose, whose animal had a, a completely rare complication during a procedure. And it was like being hit by lightning. Right. I mean, and, and we don't, if someone gets hit by lightning, we don't say, well, you shouldn't have gone for that walk. (laughs) So, so when you're like, yes, I'm punishing myself and I deserve it. I'm cool. If you want to believe that I'm not going to talk you out of that, but I really want you to think about that. Like you're punishing yourself for, for not knowing that this kind of random un you had no way of knowing it could have happened to any of us. Right. You had no way of knowing. And rather than sit in the self-compassion of you got blindsided by a totally unexplainable event, instead of holding yourself in that space of, I'm so sorry this happened to you, this is so hard, you are being mean to yourself.
0: Yeah, and I do think that that's manifested in my life since then. So I've even been talking about this with my other therapist with just, you know, and, and my partner, how I haven't felt myself since then like i feel like an empty emotionalist like it's either guilt angry guilt anger or like there's i haven't felt that like i haven't felt like myself unless i'm mad or unless i'm sad and i i'm so sick of feeling only those two emotions like i want to be happy again and and i've also had physical manifestations in my life where i've been physically sick i've been struggling with this these bladder issues for over a year now that I, I mean, could I? you wouldn't surprise me if it was related to self-punishment in a way. Um, because there's no, there's no, there's no cause of it that what's happening, like they don't know what's causing it. It's just a f- physical manifestation of something. And I'm thinking that maybe it's because I just haven't forgiven myself for all of, the, like, you know, I can look back at every bad thing I did, but I still loved them. And I did everything I did to them and for them out of love. Maybe I just have to accept that.
1: Well, when we are feeling guilt or anger, really any emotion, none of those emotions are bad, right? Like these emotions can actually be helpful to us. They can teach us things. So I'm never, I'm never like, don't feel guilty. You know, don't feel guilty. I'm never, you're never going to hear me say that. But when we are experiencing any of these types of strong emotions, it is a fair question. Who do I want to be in my guilt? You know, who am I becoming while I'm struggling with this? Is this who I want to be? You know, what would it be like? To resolve this instead of keep it in me and even if you don't have answers for those questions today you know those are good questions to be asking yourself because at a certain point if you are becoming someone who is being mean and critical and maybe having other symptoms from this you know that's not who you want to be and I don't know if this resonates for you it resonates for some people I'm pretty sure that's not what Jack or Moof would want for you either and so there comes a time where you can say, this isn't who I want to be with my guilt. I'm ready to try to release some of it. But then, of course, how do you do that, right? And I'll give you a couple things. One thing is that guilt is all about what I didn't do. <laughs> like, you know, your list of things, of all the things you didn't do, right, is painful and maybe accurate. You know what? It may be accurate that you didn't do some things. But then you got to really go to what you did do. And what you did do just in hearing this brief story of both of their lives, but you know, Jack in particular, right? Jet setting, (laughs) adventures, people, social time, you know, tons of sniffing and smelling and you know, all the things, all the things, you know, you know more than I do what you did. What did you do? Make that list. Cause that list is gonna be a hundred times longer than what you didn't do, right? And, and that, and, and you know what? I didn't say goodbye no you didn't you didn't say goodbye but you said I love you every single day every single day you were with him you said I love you in your mind you were always saying I love you you were always saying you are the bestest boy you are you know you were saying you are the light of my life you are my soulmate he heard you every single time so you didn't get to say goodbye But think of all that you did say. Think of what he knew. You know what he knew. I know you know what he knew about you. And I wish he had had a different circumstance for his death. And of course, that's a a difficult thing to carry. And you're not alone. I work with a lot of people who who physically can't be there for some reason or another. And it is very, very painful. Something something that that does help some people is to write about what you imagine it might have been like if you could have been there. And that may strike you as like, oh, is that fantasy land? You know, why am I fantasizing that? But for some people, you could see, look, I say every suggestion I have, it may not work for you. It may work for you. Just do what feels supportive. But, you know, some people, it might be nice if you could write what it might have been like. If you could have given him the goodbye that you wanted to give him. And really imagine what that scenario might have been.
0: That might feel really comforting, you know? Yeah. A lot of times, sometimes I'll take the imagery of when Moof was euthanized and I try to imagine Jack there and like imagine his paw in my hand and it it does give me comfort. And then also like we were saying in the first part of of, um, our interview, how he's still with me. And after like that intense first wave of like just intense him being gone, like I do feel him with me. And so I mean, after a year, it has gotten a lot easier to just accept that you know wherever his energy is, it's not here, but like he's with me because i'm keeping him with me and so that's been very helpful but it's just and like i know we're circling back to like i just and it's carrying in my life where like you're saying that like i might hold this like anger and pain and it's all inward but outwardly i'm trying so desperately to make sure that my new rescue kittens get every little good thing which makes me feel more guilty about not doing every little good thing for jack and and i have to just accept like, I have to find a way to accept that that's just what the reality is and that maybe Jack is okay with me learning with him to give life, give a better life to my blind rescue cat and his brother. You
1: know, guilt teaches us things. It really does. And, you know, if I asked you, did you learn anything from this experience with Jack and would you do anything differently in the future? What what would you say
0: to that? Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't do anything different with Jack because I can't, but the way that I take care of my pets now, I make sure that I'm aware of what their needs are. And Maybe I wasn't always aware of, and Jack never wanted for anything. I'm talking like, you know, five minutes more on a walk that it's negative 10 degrees and he's like, I'm sniffing this hole and I'm like, "Uh, my fingers are frozen, let's go. Like those are the little moments where looking in the moment, it's like he was, he was just pushing the boundaries because he knew he could he was don't get me wrong he was my soulmate but he was a bastard <laughs> like I love him and I love that he could express himself and that's why we got along so well because it's like oh really oh really you know it's always like this I love you but like drop the two dude like both of us we're always like that and that's why I loved him so much because he like wasn't about pleasing me it was like I'm me and you're you and we do this together like I sniff you pull that's the thing right and just knowing that i can do things better i can be a better pet mom to my new cats like it makes me feel like i'm i know i'm giving them the best life and hopefully there won't be that guilt on the end for them
1: and there will be there will be guilt on the end i promise like right because even even with an intention of i'm going to do everything right We're human. We all make mistakes. We all make left turns when maybe the right turn would have been better. So you're probably going to have some guilt, you know, when you're, when these animals die too. We have to accept that about ourselves because we are flawed people. (laughs) We are super flawed. Our animals may not be so flawed, but we are super flawed and we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna mess up and we're gonna not know what we don't know. But what you do know, what you have learned a little bit through this experience with Jack does inform how you're showing up for your animals now. And that's part of his legacy. And that's part of what you've learned even from this very difficult experience. And that is a gift. And that is something you can take with you. Um, I told you in an earlier conversation that, you know, for Arnie's last two months of life, which I did not know were his last two months of life, I took an opportunity in New York. So I was basically commuting from LA to New York. I was gone a lot. I I wasn't able, I wasn't there, (laughs) which wasn't there. I I was not with him much. And um, my husband was there with him and our other cat was there with him, but I was taking an opportunity that was good for me. And, um, do I look back at that sometimes? And I'm like, well, I wish I had known that that was the last two months. Cause I would have liked that time. And I know you have some of those similar feelings about, you know, why did I go on the trip? But you don't, know, you didn't know. And I didn't know. And also you were living your life. And that's what Jack liked about you. He liked when you lived your life and that was normal for him too. It was normal that you were often doing things and that was normal for Arnie as well. And one of the things it, when I work with people in anticipatory grief, I say, hey, let's keep everything as normal as possible for your animal. Let's give them a sense of normalcy. You don't want to be hovering. I don't want you to like helicopter mom and spend 18 hours a day glued to your animal because that will freak them out. And they will think something is weird and wrong. And so, you know, whenever I hear stories that, well, I was trying to live my life and then something bad happened, you know, he did have a sense of normalcy about you living your life and you. I think if you thought about what he wanted for you, he probably would have wanted you out on that adventure, you know, and so you you didn't know, you had no idea. And so it's, you know, you can be mean to yourself about it, or you can say, I didn't know what was coming. And I was making the best decisions I could at the time. Now, one thing you can think about that I encourage everybody to do is, you know, is there something that would feel supportive to you to make as an offering about this? Is there anything you can think of that would make this, you know, more right for you or some sort of penance, you know, um, and and sometimes that that's very obvious and sometimes it's hard to think of something. Does anything come to mind when I say like, is there something you could do, an action you could take that might help you feel like you could make an offering about this?
0: I think I'm kind of doing it with just the penance is be better, For the next thing you love and i know that i'm i know that i'm doing that because i i have my i have my past to look on and be like oh i'm not going into giving my cat hourly eye drops in the middle of the night with like oh my god i don't want to get up it's like i gotta make sure he's i gotta do this i gotta i love him and i'm not gonna complain because i get to help him and also i think forgiving myself honestly like like the punishment has been going on for over a year and like nothing good has come of it except for me feeling guilty and continually feeling guilty like holding on to that isn't going to fix anything holding on to all that pain isn't going to miraculously turn me into an angel i have to let it go in order to grow i can't i I think the punishment has been going on long enough and my penance is served and it's time to i can go out on parole now i think
1: that's exciting
0: That, that feels that feels promising do you
1: is there anything you think you need to do to make the amends with Jack?
0: I mean, I, I when I get emotional, I, I apologize. Like, I want, I know this sounds crazy, but I just need him to tell me that it's okay. And like, I don't know, do I need to find a pet psychic or do, can I just pay someone to pretend they're one to tell me? Like, I think it really just, it doesn't even have to be real. I just need to know that he's okay with everything
1: well in the first part of this episode we talked about some of those um intentional connection moments like building in times in your day to really just tune in to him maybe in some of those moments you tune in and you just you know say jack i, I would love i would love to hear from you that it's okay however you do that
0: um i'm open i do think i i might have already gotten that which did help so I will talk a little bit about this uh And it actually has helped a lot. So when my partner and I, we left to go hike in California, like again, we're big hikers. So for the first like 50 or 60 days, every single night, I'd have a dream with Jack in it. And he's in the dream. Like I'm conversating with him, we're talking and every day I would wake up and I'm like, Jack's in my dream again. Like he won't let me go. Like he won't let me go. Like, or I won't let him go. Like And I love that he's there because I love him. And he used to be in the background of all of my dreams. But this one, he's like the front runner in all of them. And then the last dream I had about him, I come home from like work in the dream. And he's laying on the floor. And he's kind of like lethargic. And I'm like, Jack Bean. Like I used to call him Judge-A-Bean, Beans, Beans, whatever. I'm like, Beanie. Like... You know, wanna go out? And he like looked at me like, I'm good, and just was like like nodded at me. And so I came over and like hugged him, and we're like laying on the floor, and I'm like, that's okay, like we don't have to go out and play today. And like it was just him like letting me like hug him. And it was kind of like this weird where I like said, Okay, like it's time. Like it's time for us to stop playing. And like I woke up and I have not dreamt of him since then. And it's weird because I woke up and I'm like, I had this weird dream where like Jack and I kind of said goodbye without saying goodbye. And then I haven't dreamt of him yet. And it's actually been a lot less painful since that moment. I do get fleeting moments of guilt, as I probably always will, but that was like the day where I was like, I woke up and I'm like, oh, like he was saying, let me go, give me a hug. Like I'm not going out to play with you anymore. So wow, maybe I wow. already got it. That's really powerful. Yeah, did that feel like, cause what you said
1: is you said, you know, I, I wanna feel like he's okay. Did you coming out of that dream feel like he's okay?
0: Yeah. And I felt like I was finally able to let go of it. Like even just for me, like stop dreaming about him every night by just accepting that like it's time and just, yeah. Like I remember waking up feeling like the next night I went to sleep and didn't dream of him and I woke up relieved, like okay, he's not there because we said goodbye. And he was like, come cuddle me, I'm going to sleep. That is so powerful. You know, so many
1: people want signs, they want dreams, and and that's a very complicated thing. But I encourage people, ask for what you want, ask for what you want from your animal, ask for a sign and remain open to them, remain open to dreams. And um, it does sound like you may have gotten what you were wishing for, but sometimes it's hard in context to also see that, you know? like we had to kind of like talk about guilt for you to be like oh maybe maybe we did clear it you know and for a lot of our experience of guilt or regret or shame or whatever it is around the death it's like we have to we have to feel like we have cleared it in some way both with our animal and with ourselves you know listen i did almost a year of anticipatory counseling and there's a couple things i wish i had done differently about arnie and I feel silly saying that because who could have been more prepared? <laughs> I was really prepared. And, you know, he had a good death, but there were some things that I just personally really wish had been different. And one of the ways I'm clearing that is it's one of the ways I'm working on advocacy. Um, I'm really one of the things that for me just was a regret was sort of um, how his body was handled. And I, I wish things have been different about how his body was handled so one of the things that I'm doing now as part of my you know sort of penance or amends or you know trying to learn from this is I'm I work with a company called youth a bag to advocate for these really dignified like body bags that veterinarians are using and um, I use them with my anticipatory clients so people can decorate the bags that their animals are going to be placed in and or buried in or cremated in and you know for me that's a way that I can kind of clear that piece of regret so it's really powerful to find a way to clear it with your animal which it maybe sounds like that dream kind of did it but then also for yourself because you did say maybe I need to forgive myself now and that looks different for everyone and for some people that might look like writing a letter to yourself like offering that forgiveness for some people that might look like some sort of project or ritual or you know Lighting, lighting some sage, whatever whatever your jam is, um, whatever feels supportive, but um, I would encourage you to be intentional about that forgiveness, to, to turn it into some sort of ceremony or ritual, a moment, so that at least you've taken that step, you know, to, to do your best to clear it. And another powerful way that is um, really helpful with any of this type of guilt is to write down a sort of like an antidote or a counterclaim or a counter thesis to um, a piece that you're really guilty about. So for example, if you're saying, I'm so guilty that I didn't say goodbye you know, to Jack in the way that I wanted and that I wasn't there. So you're, that's your guilt piece, but your counterclaim to that might sound something like, you know, while I wasn't able to physically be there for that last moment with Jack, I was there for all those years that we had together We went on so many adventures. We shared so many laughs and exasperations (laughs) and shenanigans together in these formative uh, and turbulent and meaningful growth years of my life. We did do that, and I didn't know. I had no idea when I left for this trip that this event would happen. If I had known, I might have done things differently, but I, I won't beat myself up anymore about what I didn't know and i know from jack that he's okay and that he's at peace and i'm going to endeavor to give that same peace to myself so that i can move forward and carry his legacy gifts and teachings to other people in my life and if you wrote a statement down like that that's kind of the counterclaim to that guilt statement even if you don't fully believe it yet right i don't need you to fully believe it but if you wrote that down and just kind of refresh that with yourself every day with focusing on what you did do and focusing on what you did learn or what you know you couldn't have learned until you went through it and and thinking about you know the offerings you're making sometimes it's just very powerful to reinforce all of those things as opposed to just the message of i didn't do this i didn't do this i didn't do this
0: yeah rumination isn't helpful <laughs> when it comes to pain So, and there's a bunch of other episodes that I've done where we talk about that discontinuing that negative thought process. And so I need to start making a positive thought process of, I loved Jack. I gave him rides in the car. We flew in planes. He got to spend time with grandma. He had a good life instead of, you know, our walk was cut short or, you know, I wasn't there. So that's very helpful.
1: Well, you know, one of the posts I made on Instagram once that was a really big hit with people. It just said, you know. My pet's story is more than their
0: last day. And that's true for every life. Death is not the story. It's just the the final sentence. You know, everything else, there's a whole entire story more important than the end. And damn you, Beth, you got me. (laughs) I can't fight with that. (laughs)
1: Well, listen, you know, one of the greatest gifts that I think every animal brings into our life is this gift of like really being in the moment. And we know, and there's research, like animals are super present and they're super in the moment. And guess what animals don't do? They don't ruminate. They don't. They are not all caught up in what didn't happen five years ago the way we are. And they are not future tripping about all the, the future events already realized, FEAR acronym. They aren't, they're right here right now. That's why, one of the reasons why we love them so much. And even in death, you know, I, I, I believe that animals are right here right now, even in death. And, I, and they are not freaking out and worried and, you know, imagining the worst, right? They're not like that. They're right here right now. And so, you know, even in circumstances where the death experience is not what we wish it would be, and there are so many people that are going through this. And I really appreciate that you're talking about it because many times when people are feeling guilty for not being there or they weren't able to show up or they feel they were doing something, quote, frivolous, you know, instead of being there, um, that no one talks about it. So I really appreciate you speaking up about it and sharing it because I know there's people listening who've been in a similar circumstance, who've been beating themselves up this whole time. And I'm glad that you're speaking about it, but it's just so important to also remember that even for him, you know, he was probably pretty present. He might've been uncomfortable. He might not have been feeling his best, but he was probably still, you know, right here, right now. I'm having a pretty good time. I'm sniffing, I'm smelling up until the end. And, um, You know, he probably wasn't looping and ruminating the way that we have a tendency to do. And I always remind people of that because, you know, our pain
0: and our grief is different, I think, than how animals experience things. And if we could just be present like our pets, we would have no problems. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But it would give us mindfulness and being present is something that, you know, is so important. And if we could just be a little bit more like them, then we could be a little bit better to ourselves. But everything
1: he ever gave you, everything he ever taught you, every gift, every lesson, every teaching is all within you. You have it. It's all right there. And now you get to go out and live as him. <laughs> you get to take all those gifts. You get to take even his even his stubborn parts, right? He, you know, you get to take all that. Jack didn't like to take any BS. Well, maybe you're going to take a little less BS, you know, however you want to take it and live it. And, and that's what I do. That's why I do the work I do. I get to show up as Arnie every day and you get to show up as Jack and you get to show up as Mufi and, you know, take all that you've learned from these really interesting, um, totally original creatures and carry it forward. And that's awesome. What an
0: opportunity. I love that. That gives me so much hope, too, that I get to they get to live through me and I get to be like them because they taught me so much.
1: Yeah. And now you
0: get to spread it. Can't wait. Let's go. I'm, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for this entire thing. It has been amazing. And I've actually, damn, I've like looked in and I'm like, holy smokes, I really have a lot of self-forgiveness. And I think that's a lot of what's been going on in my life and, and a lot of the pain that I've been holding on to and, and giving back to myself. And it's time to let it go because it, it's, I have to if I want to live a happy, healthy life. And um, pain, like, you know, without pain, we don't understand pleasure or happiness or we, you know, without love, you know, what what are we even doing? So thank you so much for the show and coming on and letting me share my entire story. There's just one last little tiny question. It doesn't have to be related to anything we've talked about here. It simply is just what is your go-to mantra, piece of advice or thought-provoking quote that you would like to share? <laughs>
1: Hmm, pet loss grief is valid, profound, and deserves to be normalized.
0: Yes, I love that, Beth. And if people would like to connect with you or reach out to you, where can they find you?
1: I would love everybody to come over to my Instagram at Honoring Our Animals. We have a lot of fun over there. Yeah, we can have some fun with pet loss too, my friends. It's it's not all crying. Um, come over to my Instagram. Connect with me there. You can also visit my website, which is HonoringOurAnimals.com. And if you'd like to work with me, I work with people all over the world. I work uh, entirely virtually, so um, I work in many different time zones. And I would love to uh, do a consultation with you and learn more about your story and um, and see if I'm gonna be a good fit to help you because I only work with people where I feel like I can really uh, make an impact. So uh, I would love to um, do some sessions with you. And I also work with um, people who work in like animal rescue and veterinarians and compassion fatigue. And and I, I work in trainings to help people also understand how to best help people um, if they're encountering um, people who are grieving pet guardians. So I would love to connect uh, with your community of um, pet lovers no matter what kind of animals, uh, or um, community you have so come on over to instagram kind of come on over to my website um shoot
0: me an email or a text and i'd love to connect yay and if you've ever loved an animal or love an animal then beth is a great resource. Oh,
1: and I should add, I do monthly pet memorial services live on Instagram. So if you join me on Instagram, I always put out a call for names uh, a few days before. And if you have an animal, it doesn't matter how long it's been that you would like honored in the live memorial service. I really encourage you to submit your animal for that. um, And uh, come attend a memorial service. It can feel very connected and uh, celebratory for your um, beautiful beloved.
0: Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I love... I can't wait to continue following along with your journey and just how many people you've helped. Just this conversation today has alone has just given me so much hope and joy and and peace and comfort and forgiveness. It's time to say, okay, you've been I've been in prison long enough. I'm going out on parole now. Okay, um, but thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing all of your wonderful goodness. You are so welcome. You grieve at your own pace. Continue with that
1: self-compassion and, you know, live as Jack and Mufi.
0: I wanna once again take the time to thank Beth for coming on the show. Connecting with her has really helped me in my pet loss grief and guilt, and it's allowed me the chance to move forward with my life in a way that I still think of Jack and Mufi, but in a positive light. I've given myself some comfort and some forgiveness, and I'm learning to translate that into how I care for my new rescue kittens, Willie and Petey. They're both very rambunctious and crazy, and I wouldn't change my story for anything. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Embracing Death. As always, I'm your host, Julia, and we'll see you next week.